All right, my message title this morning is, It's a Heart Thing. I thought it would be very appropriate after the million thoughts that I had while I was away just to share a very short message on the heart. The heart is a powerful thing. It can take us to the heights of emotions that we can't even describe. I mean, I remember, how many of you remember when you were a young person and you saw someone across the room and you were in love? And then 10 minutes later, you were not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Happens that way. Emotions that we can't even describe. It can drive us to act on things, dreams others wouldn't even attempt. Some of you in this room have entrepreneured businesses. You've done things that others wouldn't even think of. And my biggest piece of advice is if you have a dream... It's not always smart to share your dream with somebody else because they are liable to get a fire hose and put the dream out because it's not their dream. And they're not wired for the dream that you have. Now, if you have a mentor who you think can be restrained enough to hear your dream and offer wisdom, that's different but maybe not a peer. Sometimes your peers will go, that's crazy, man. You ain't going to do that. You're going to fail, fall flat on your face. Who needs that, right? Like I did that when I said I was going to be in ministry. The first several people that I told said, not a chance. Just like that, boom. I don't know if I had like something written on my forehead or, or what it was, but clearly... I gave off this, you can't do this vibe. I don't know if I twitched or what. But they didn't think I had it in me. But I knew that God had talked to me. I really wasn't asking their permission. I was telling them, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. You see, the heart can also make us so incredibly selfish. How many of you know that too? About the me, myself, and I. The heights of what I want to the detriment of others. Those even closest to us, what God is even saying to us. It really comes down to this. It's a heart thing. The heart is a powerful, powerful thing. It destroys homes, it destroys relationships, it destroys businesses. I mean, let's be honest, it even causes wars. It does all kinds of evil things. It also does some beautiful things, amazing things. I want to talk out of Scripture this morning about what the heart can do. It's buried deep. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure who can understand it. So we see right away that the heart's deceitful above all things. So it's the highest level of deceit. There's nothing higher in humankind in terms of deceit than the heart. And second, it's not curable by man. It's not curable. Who can understand it? I mean, the heart is so deceitful 
But we oftentimes think we know it. How many times have you heard someone say, I just know it in my heart? I know it. How many of you ever heard that? No, they don't. One of the first questions I very often ask as a pastor is, how has God confirmed that to you? Because your heart lies to you. And emotions will trick and deceive you. Come on now. I've had married couples sit in my office and say, I don't feel it anymore. You've taught that probably in your marriage class. Listen, married couples in the room, raise your hand. We're going to play a little game. It's a dangerous game, but we're going to play it. How many know the feelings aren't always there? Raise your hand. Ding! The feelings are not always there. It's not always like when you were 16. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're not. Like, aren't you thankful that his hands aren't still sweaty every time you hold your hand? You know what I'm saying? Sometimes he's like that wow across the room and other times he's your like best friend and other times he's your your lover i mean the roles change at different times based on the the situations the needs but the truth is that is in the covenant of marriage but I, the uh, the spark is gone go have a bonfire Like, seriously, you're not going to recapture 16. Because 16, the mind and the heart deceive us when we're 40. Because if you were, let's talk to the 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds. It's hard, right? It's not. Your parents don't need to know. It's tough, right? It's tough being a teenager, isn't it? I mean, I'm not centering you out, but it's not easy. Stop. Yeah, I'm getting blinks and stuff. It's subtle, subtle stuff, you know. <laughs> for, for a small token donation, I'll tell you. <laughs> In fact, the heart is so twisted on its own, it's beyond any kind of a cure. The heart will justify any action that it suits its needs and wants despite uh, anyone, including you. So even in this area that I just used, this illustration of marriage, and even relationships that I've seen with young adults and youth, they'll say this. They make a decision to get into a relationship on their own because they knew in their heart. Right? But when they end it, this is what they say. God told me. God gets blamed. Is God schizophrenic? Is he? Now listen, I know it's a touchy subject. I know there are people in the room, you've been divorced and remarried. And listen, if you're in that second marriage, don't look back. Don't beat yourself up. That's not what this is about. You've already moved on. You're in a fresh place. Walk in God's blessing. Move in His favor. Forget about what was. Okay? Say yes. 
Let's not set the devil up for another chance to knock you down again. Right? And your situation may have had nothing to do with you. I mean, really, those things do happen. But the heart is always involved. And there's an element of deceit that runs so deep that we can't see the forest for the trees. We just get deceived. I mean, really, we get deceived. I mean, I'll just I'll use my situation. I was praying for people for you know five, six years. Like I was dealing with this issue for well over five years, but it was bad in the last six. And I lived in constant pain 24 hours a day for the last five. And God was healing other people that I would pray for all the time. And I started hearing this voice in the last number of years saying, well, why won't He heal you? Now, it started as a thought. But that thought starts to take root. And you start to go, yeah, why not? Why won't he? Yeah, why won't you? What's wrong? What's wrong with me? Am I like a leper? But I've learned as a believer, it's not up to me to question God's sovereign plan. Why he does what he does for one and or the other. I know one thing that has come out of this for me is I am a whole lot less afraid of hospitals and doctors than I was before. They're actually pretty cool people. I actually told the guy before surgery, I said, do you have people on the roof with trank guns? He said, what do you mean? I said, I'm a runner. And I meant it. He thought I was joking. I said, what's the latest I can leave? He goes, Oh my gosh. He says, you're going to be an issue, aren't you? I said, probably. (laughs) Number two, the great who. Jeremiah 17.10. He says, now we're dealing with the heart. Now who who can sort this thing out? We clearly can't. I mean, we just talked about an instance where like, we don't know. I can tell you that When I found my wife, and I'll use that personal example, I remember my dad saying, so, is this the one? You know, that he had the conversation. I still remember it. He was sitting behind his desk. I was sitting in the chair across the desk, which was beside my bedroom. And he said, is she the one? And I said, Dad, actually, I think I'm going to ask her to marry me. He goes... Wow, okay. He said, well, how long have you known? I said, well, a couple days, I think. Yeah, she can hear me too, by the way. (laughs) I said, if I get up tomorrow morning and I feel the same, I'm going to ask her. I said, I've just laid it before God, and I've said, Lord, if if I still feel this strong, I'm going to ask her. And I got up in the morning, it was the first thing on my mind, it was on my mind all day, and that night she came over and I asked her, didn't have a ring, yet, 
and I was in my work clothes. It wasn't really the most romantic proposal. It's okay. Later on, though, I did the horse and buggy ride, and Aaron did it all. I did it right. But And she said yes, and we got married, and, and the rest has been a whirlwind of, you know, I wouldn't do it any other way. But God had to reveal my own heart to me. Are you understanding me so far? Okay, all right. I'm using this illustration because honestly, relationships are the hardest one for the heart to sort out. The great who, Jeremiah 17.10, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. The only one qualified to search the Search the heart is the Lord. He has a perspective we will never have. Complete and utter holiness. He is sin-free, and His only agenda is redemptive. And that is always His focus. Our heart, remember I said before, is about me, myself, and I. And when your perspective is me, myself, and I, it is really hard to look into a situation and have a good perspective, isn't it? Because you're looking for the best of you. The best that you're going to get. And if you look at our world today, when marriages end and couples have problems, or even when relationships break up, the first thing that happens is lawyers get involved. And in school, when relationships break up, the first thing kids do is they rally their friends around them and start to say things about the person they broke up with. And the next thing you know, they all hate each other. Because it's about me, myself, and I. But God looks down and searches the heart from this perspective. You're my child. You're my child. I love you both. Equally, and I want you both with me forever. Wow. Isn't that different? Isn't the outcome of that one going to be different? When I was a youth pastor, I had a really crazy rule. Other youth pastors said that that's a crazy rule. If they were kids were dating and I knew they were dating. When they walked in at 7 o'clock, they had to officially break up. Seriously, they had to break up. And they could get back together at 10 o'clock. Because during 7 to 10, they needed to make friends in the group outside of each other. Otherwise, they would just stick to themselves all night and never talk to anybody. And when they did break up in five minutes, they would stop coming to youth. And that, honestly, was our biggest reason we grew. It's the truth. And we also did a really big series on dating. <laughs> but, which was always the highest attended thing we did. I don't know why. It is only him who can examine the mind. How many of you know your mind will lie to you too? Your mind will justify anything. How many of you have ever been short on money, but you wanted to buy something, and your mind like found a way to make it okay to buy it? Yeah. 
You're like, I don't need to eat this week. It's fine. It's fine. I can lose five pounds. It's good. You know? Our mind will lie to ourselves. It is only Him who can examine the mind and know what we are thinking. Whether we admit it or not, we lie to ourselves. We manipulate ourselves and others. Our mind is a very, very powerful thing. And if the mind is unhealthy, like say mine was when it came to hospitals and doctors, it can stop you from having surgery for five years and have you walk around living in pain because you're terrified of your doctor. He literally said to me, the last time I went in, he goes, well, he opened my file, clunk. And he goes, so, what do you want to do now? You about ready? Now, he had never said I had to get surgery because they don't say that anymore. But he said, you about ready? And at that point, I was in so much pain, I was like, oh yeah, I'm ready. When can we do this? <laughs> he goes, next week. Because he knew that if he put me off too much longer, I'm a runner. I just said, no. He got me in there quick. Our mind will lie. But God searches the heart and the mind. And He, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will expose your mind and your heart. How many of you have ever been in the middle of doing that to yourself and the Holy Spirit kind of shines a light and exposes your mind and your heart just to you? And you kind of are like caught. And you realize what you just did. You, you realize it. You know it. And you're like, oh. Man, I know what I just did. Oh. I have one before I give you my last point that I still remember to this day that happened to me when I was just saved. And it has stayed with me all these years. There was a guy in our church, his name was Don. He was simple. He lived on his own. He had one of the most abusive home lives you could imagine. When they found him, I, I won't even describe it. It was just that bad. And people started to take care of him. They got him a job at a restaurant as a dishwasher. They would drive him to church, drive him to work. Like the men in the church took care of him. And he got more and more independent. He started riding the bus on his own and all that kind of stuff. And he, he, he tithed, even though he made like minimum wage. In Canada, the cost of living is high. And, you know, so when people tell me they, you know, at minimum wage, I can't tithe, I think of Don, I think, yeah, yeah, you can. Because he did. You know, and he lived in a, a hotel and he paid for his room every week. And so I was talking to a couple guys at youth. And at that time, I can't remember the name of the brand. It was, a, you know, teenagers were into brands and sweatshirts. And there's a certain brand, and I wanted this sweatshirt. And it was, like, crazy expensive. And it was, like, 60 bucks or 30, 
30 to 60 bucks. It was in that neighborhood. And I had like no job. It was the winter. And I made the mistake of saying that to my friend, and Don heard me. And he took the only money he had and gave it to me. And I said, Don, I can't take your money. And he got furious. He said, you will take my money. I said, Don, I am not taking your money. He said, who are you to reject what I am giving you that God would bless me? Which is true, like his heart was right. But God was using this as an illustration to humble me down to the ground. He said, you go buy that sweatshirt. I held the money. I didn't want to buy the sweatshirt. I tried to give him the money back on Sunday. And he got mad. He said, go buy the sweatshirt. I bought the sweatshirt. Every time I wore the sweatshirt, you know what I thought about? How I need to choose my words carefully and never do that. And I didn't realize that God was preparing me for the day that I would stand in a pulpit and not use my words to manipulate people. And he used Don, who made, at that time, he was making $6 an hour. It's crazy. It was a humbling moment. Humbling. Our minds in this fallen world are about self. They are not 100% selfless. So when the Lord searches the heart and the mind, He is 100% selfless. It was His act of sacrifice that cemented that forever. So it allows Him to see clearly, without any lack of clarity, what's happening in our hearts and our minds. So, are you struggling today? Because if you are, It is a heart thing. A question. How does the heart issue show up in our lives? Lots of ways, but there is one in James that repeatedly speaks to this generation, and I want to give it to you. In James 4, verse 13, it says this, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Notice here it says the language is very illustrative. But it is also really speaking of individual controls and decision making. Today or tomorrow, we will go to this city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. This is an illustration of fancy free living or doing your own thing, right? Heart living based on yourself. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. See, the Lord's perfect perspective challenge is this. You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't either, unless He reveals it to us. It speaks to things. One, how our minds and hearts give false confidence of where we should have none. Our minds and hearts give us false confidence where we shouldn't have any. We don't know about tomorrow. And I'll be honest, when 
I, they put, wheeled me down the hall into the operating room. And if you've ever had surgery, you probably won't admit it, but you've probably done it. Lord, if I don't wake up, I want to be with you. I mean, seriously, you're being put out with a bunch of chemicals. Like, you pray about those things. At least I do. And secondly, how our hearts and minds deceive us into wasting time that we do not yet possess. Many of us have planned out the next six months of our lives with time that we don't even yet possess. And I'm going to ask the question, have we planned time in there for God? Have we planned in there time that we would even say it's mission time for the kingdom? Oh, you're making us feel guilty, Pastor. Yep, I am. I know. I confess. Because I'm recognizing the urgency of the hour, and it seems the more urgent it gets, the more the dopier and sleepier the church gets. It's really, really getting bad. It's almost like we're burying our head in a hole the worse it gets around us. And I'm not just talking like, I'm not saying just Evangel Heights folks. I'm talking the church abroad. It's getting bad. Leaders are jumping off the boat because they feel like they've lost their voice. People are tuning them out. No, that's, that's not what it is. It's the spirit of this age. It's blinding people. And I, for one, have decided that I'm going to continue to shout from the rooftops. How do we know? What is your my life? It is a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. In other words, our lives are a few things. One, delicate. How many of you know that's true? Your life is delicate. Very, very delicate. Two, they are anything but infinite. In this body and in this life, it is not infinite in this shelf. I mean, this thing is constantly needing maintenance. How many of you know that? When you're young, you can eat Cheetos 24 hours a day. Don't matter. When you're older, you look at a Cheeto, 20 pounds. It's so true and you know it. Or you eat one, you get heartburn for four days. You're like, why did that happen? What did I do? You know? You throw one ball with your kid, you're like, I can't lift my arm for a week, you know? Third, our time is limited and it goes by way faster than we think it does. Don't allow our minds to fool us into thinking the old lie, you got lots of time. Because we don't. Verse 15 says this, Instead we ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that, as it is you boast in arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So the answer to the heart is this, laying it at His feet. Take your heart and lay it at His feet. First, lay it at His feet. How do we know that we've done that, though? How do we know? 
Verse 15, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. The heart is a wild animal and only the Holy Spirit of God can see it and control it. Anything short of that's going to be a disaster. I know, having experienced the Holy Spirit in my life, when it's Him driving me and when it's me driving me and when it's my flesh driving me. The Holy Spirit has a very distinct way of driving. He's gentle but specific. You know when He's leading. I've had people say to me, I never know when He's, I don't know when He's talking to me. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Do you think the devil tells you to pray for somebody? Do you think the devil's going to tell you to donate to this or that? Do you think the devil's going to tell you to get involved in this or get involved in that for the kingdom? Okay, well there's a few real simple things to help you discern the difference between, you know, one and the other. Don't deceive yourself because you really don't want to do it. That happens too. We're all guilty of that. Verse 16, recognize that when we are boasting and planning in our own arrogant schemes, it means that we have an unsurrendered heart because all, not some, of our boasting, all of our, sorry, all of our boasting is evil. It is. The only time I would say, and I don't like the word boasting, but you can boast in the Lord. You can boast that God's going to bring revival, for example. You could boast that. Imagine if every believer in this region started to declare and boast that God is going to bring revival. And I mean, they started to stand on their front lawn and they started to say it. Well, that would be silly, Pastor. I don't know why they'd do that. Oh, I do, because what we declare with our mouth, there's power. There's power. Why do you think so many believers don't like to pray out loud? Because the devil doesn't want you to. Because there's power when you pray out loud. Last one. And finally, if anyone that's anyone knows the good they ought to do, your purpose, your calling, or a need, and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Why? Because we have moved back to letting the heart drive the ship rather than surrendering the heart to the Spirit and allowing Him to drive the heart. I'm going to ask Pastor Nate or Joel or whoever to come. In conclusion, friends, it always is a heart thing. Stop being so afraid of letting go of what you can't control and let God step in. We have to live surrendering our hearts daily to the Spirit and allowing Him to drive the heart. He is the only one powerful enough to see where it needs to go and make sure that it gets there. We will derail ourselves every single time. 
we'll get shipwrecked. We'll get hurt. We'll get offended. But when our heart belongs to God, we won't. And if we do get offended, we'll get over it. But the heart, if left to its own devices, man, oh man, it doesn't end well. So I'd like to close in prayer today. And I'd like to ask this question. You'd say, Pastor, I hear you. And you know what? I need to really lay my heart at his feet. I'm a believer. I'm saved, but I hear what you're saying. And I do battle with my heart. I want to control it. But it's controlling me. I need to give it to the Spirit. Could you pray for me in closing? Can I just see your hand? I got mine up. Just so you know. It's always going to be one of those things that I got to deal with. Back to being able to see sort of. Okay, good. All right. Well, let's pray that. Father, we thank you this morning that it is you that sees the heart perfectly. It is you that can direct the heart. It's you that absolutely knows where it needs to go and knows the destination that you've chosen and And you are completely unbiased. You have a perfect plan. And so I pray that as we lay down our agenda for our heart, that you would pick up control. We let go. And we ask you to guide us and lead us and help us to have the strength and to lose the fear of following you, to trust you, to go where you want us to go. Father, we thank you. We love you. You have been so good to us this morning. Be with us this week. Bless us as we have opportunities, Lord, to to minister with this heart. I pray that you would guide us in those moments. We ask this in Jesus' name. God bless you as you go. It's good to be back. Have a great week.